Hey everybody, Tyler Smith here with uh, another uh, supplemental episode of Battleship Pretension. Uh, we've done a couple of these where we, where we interview people that I personally find interesting and hopefully you do as well. Uh, today we are interviewing, uh, or that sounds too formal, we are talking with uh, John Engel, a fellow podcaster and all-around good guy who for a few years now has been hosting or co-hosting the alien minute podcast, which David and I were on. Uh, and I think I was then on again, and he's going to be starting up a new podcast, uh, in regards to, uh, James Bond movies, but we'll talk about that in a moment. John, how you doing? I'm doing great, Tyler. Thanks. Thanks for you doing me. well, doing really well. Considering. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Considering indeed. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, uh, before we start recording, you were mentioning that, uh, you were, uh, thriving that you were doing great. Oh uh, yeah. Having more office time, having more time to go for walks, uh, watching movies at home, not yeah. at the theater, unfortunately, but all those things are what I kind of do anyway. So the more time I have to do them, the, the better I feel. Exactly. But, you know, making some sacrifices in other ways, but, uh, I certainly don't mind being able to watch two or three movies in a day and not feeling guilty about using that time for only that purpose. It is, it is interesting, uh, that you mentioned that because, I think a lot of people, whether it be my wife or myself and various friends that I've talked to have expressed like these weird guilt feelings um, that I think just kind of goes with when you have a job and, and all that, you, you know what the day is supposed to look like. Um, and when the day doesn't look like that and when you find yourself like we, we are all forced to do the things that everyone ever since we were kids uh, and our parents were saying we shouldn't do, which is like, we're just hanging around the house. And I remember when I was younger, my parents would say like, go outside and get some fresh air and all that sort of thing, go and make some friends. And, uh, but no, we're, we're forced to do exactly the opposite. And I, I know that for myself, I'm feeling like these weird things. It's like, am I, am I not getting enough done? And meanwhile, I'm getting the stuff done. I need to get done. It's just going a little bit faster because I have nothing else to do. Right. And, uh, but yeah, so how, how do you, uh, so you're not feeling, you, are you, are you feeling any of that guilt and you have to get over it? Or are you mostly, were you able to discard that pretty quick? Pretty easy to discard when you have, suddenly you have all the time in the world. See, a lot of mine is writer's guilt. So sure. as a writer, you kind of always feel like you're supposed to be writing. And so if, even if you're watching, I try to tell myself when I'm watching a film that I'm writing while I'm watching the film, if you get what yeah, I mean, it's a absolutely. Or however you want to put it, but, but I'll still feel this twinge of guilt. And then I'm also a father. So then there's that time that I have set aside for my son, but now it just feels like everything feels kind of free and easy. And I hate, I'm not trying to downplay the situation we're in at all. This is strictly insular yeah. feeling, you know, where it's like, well, if this were the way life were and we could take away the outside, uh, uh, crisis, but this is exactly how I would hope to live my life, you know? Yeah. So, um, does your, uh, how old is your son? He's seven. How's he dealing with all this? He, he, he loves it to be honest. Oh really? Oh, okay. His Great. mom. Well, the reason he likes it is because his mom's staying here with us. Now we're divorced, mm. but she's staying here with us. And so this is actually his first experience of having a whole household wow. together. And I think he's really loving it, you know, and we're getting to hang out a lot and play Uno and okay. uh, still doing the school thing. I'm, I'm being a good home teacher. Uh, sure. Both of sure. us are, I hope. But yeah. So he's doing okay with it. I mean, he's, he, and he's well aware of what's going on. Um, so, you know, I, God forbid anything got worse uh, uh, in our lives, you know, I, I right. hope that doesn't happen. But for now it's 
just we're hanging out, having a good time, doing our schoolwork and watching movies. And so, so far it's going all right. Well, so one thing that a lot of people have been saying uh, often jokingly, but it's not going to be a joke for long, is that uh, once everything is, once we've all moved past this, the number of like movies and TV shows that are going to be based around this weird situation uh there there could be some really good ones there's some inherent drama that to be found here uh but also some probably really hackneyed stuff and so like oh you are now stuck in a house with your ex-wife exactly. that's gonna go great rom it's like great. A rom-com waiting to happen yeah or I the shining that in its own way or that. it depends <laughs> on which way it could be very dark rom-com yeah either way but I've, yeah i've had believe me i've had my ideas about quarantine movies or yeah uh, pandemic movies and i'm like just forget that don't even worry about that because that's going to be a that's going to be a saturated market uh this time next year but and I, um, i'm trying to stick to my own ideas that i was already working on and just <laughs> just put more work into them and i'm sure there are people that have been working on scripts or films that are essentially just a chamber piece like people that are stuck in one place anyway and they're like oh my gosh i just need to make a couple of line changes right. and we've got it you know that's true that's very um, true but, uh, but yeah, so, um, so I wanted to, you know, one of the, one of the things that, uh, is, is on one hand, a bummer about doing battleship retention the way we do. And you've, you've listened to the show, you know about it, um, <clears throat> is that we, we, we prefer, not merely prefer, we require people to be in studio with us and, you know, on one hand, that has, I, I won't say uh, what actors and celebrities uh, said they wouldn't do it because of that. They wanted to do it remotely, which is understandable. They don't want to go to a stranger's mm-hmm. house. Um, and that is a bummer. But at the same time, like I do, being in the same room with someone, like you genuinely feel like you're, you've developed like a relationship with that person, if only for a moment. Uh, and then you can read people's body language and all of that. So, uh, so once all this is over, we're probably going to go back to that. But uh, what with my new uh, professional uh, Zoom account where I can do all kinds of things because I'm a, I'm a adjunct instructor and I got this free uh, Zoom account. Um, uh, I thought I would, uh, and the fact that everybody's schedule is shockingly open. Um, yeah. I thought I would, uh, I would reach out and, and bring in some people uh, that, I've known for a long time as a fellow podcaster and now it's not, now I have an opportunity to introduce them to uh, our listeners. And so that's uh, where things are coming about. So, uh, so you've been co-hosting the alien minute podcast uh, for many years at this point. Uh, I don't remember when the first season was four years ago. You know what? I don't think about things that way that much. I can't remember like certain things have landmarks for me in time and some things don't. And I honestly don't remember, but I think it's been four years. I think it was 2016. Okay. And, and yeah, we started then and, and had the second season of alien with aliens as well, but then we've been doing many other things since just kind of under that banner. So obviously the, the, the idea of doing like a, a movie by the minute podcast that you guys did not start that. Um, and I don't think very many movies can work, uh, in that, like as much, even, even great movies. Like I don't think Nashville, my favorite movie would work in a minute by minute format. I do think that it's, it sort of needs to be a genre movie. Um, because with genre, like, and this, again, this is probably true of any kind of movie, no matter what, but with genre, it's a little bit more 
amenable to talking about a one minute at a time and pointing out everything that's in that minute, whether it be visual or thematic or whatever. Um, but I was curious, um, you know, how did you arrive at this is something I want to do? And then how did you arrive at Alien is the movie that I want to talk about? So, I mean, going all the way back, honestly, it was like you guys film spotting slash film the early podcast I was listening to like what 12 years ago I think sure. you guys have been around that long right uh, we've been around 13 years yeah I was gonna say I picked up on you guys somewhere down the line and I just remember walking around town thinking I think I could do this I should do this sometime yeah and, you know, lots of people have had that idea kicking around their head at the time it didn't seem as realistic as it did later like I, I didn't know how and the, the thought would be kind of fleeting and I'd get home and I wouldn't think about it, but it was always in my mind that I wanted to do a movie podcast. So um, years go by and I'm actually listening to uh, the fantastic podcast, James Bonding. Mm, yeah. yeah. With, uh, Matt Myra and Matt Gorley and Gorley mentions this podcast called star Wars minute. And they're talking about it. Nobody else could believe it existed. And it's like, wow, these guys talk about the star Wars movies one minute at a time. And I said, well, that sounds like something I could really get into. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Star Wars you know, fan from way back. And uh, it, micro analyzing things is kind of my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So I listened to them for a long time and um, thought, man, this is what a good idea. This really works for them. This really works for this movie. I wonder what other movies could work. Eventually, other people started popping up with the same format. So Back to the Future Minute, I think, came next. And then... Um, they mentioned on the show, hey, you know, if anybody ever wants to do this, it's not like we own the concept. Yeah. Just throw us an email, let us know. So I did. And um, I wanted to do, I've said this before on, on Alien Minute, I, I really wanted to do Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sure. Uh, that was the first, I thought that would be perfect. And it's a, it's a franchise and everything. And then I, my friend Tom Taylor, who wasn't my friend back then, but is now. Uh, said he was coming out with the podcast and so, uh, minute by minute podcast. And somehow I knew that that's what he was doing. Oh, of course. And I yeah. shifted gears there. And then it became, you know, it's kind of a long way to get around to this, but then it became, who would I do this show with? Well, Mitch Bryan was my, um, was my screenwriting professor, uh, former Hollywood screenwriter wrote for Batman, the animated series, wrote for Oliver Stone, wrote for a bunch of people out there. And then it was my screenwriting professor in, in school. And he and I used to, ha- we've had some pretty intricate conversations about Alien. Just saw it together once, had, a, you know, talked about it in detail. And he had so many good ideas, things that I had never thought of about Alien. That I thought Alien, franchise movie, genre movie, yeah. perfect movie, uh, if there is such a thing. And I said, ah, Mitch probably won't want to do this, but I'll throw a, throw a hook out there. And he took it right away and we did it. And that's how it came about. But alien to me is just, there's so much minutia. There's so much behind the scenes. There's so much influence. So you can continue to talk about it in regards to other films um, that came after. Yeah. You can talk about the movies that came before the, the haunted house movies that, that inspired it, you know, or the, giallo films or whatever it is that you want to talk about that influenced alien so there was just so much minutia so much detail about it that i thought it was a perfect movie and i think it really worked out um as being a good film for the movies by minute podcast uh, concept yeah it's it's a film that uh you know yeah it's it's hard to describe any movie as perfect because what does it even mean but i'd say alien counts um it's it's, it's it's a top 10 movie for me uh, probably my favorite science fiction movie. I recognize that it is science fiction and horror, but there's still mm-hmm. plenty of stuff in there. Um, to me, it's like, yes, they're on a spaceship. 
and yes, they encounter an alien, but to me, it's really the role of the company and Ash that confirms like, yes, this is full on science fiction. Um, But, uh, and what's been interesting for me as a, as a, a fairly new uh, academic, that's, that's pretty, uh, <laughs> as an adjunct instructor, uh, I feel like academic is pretty lofty for an adjunct instructor at two community colleges. Um, but uh, so when I teach an aesthetics class, when we get to uh, visual design, I show Alien. Yeah. Um, and a number of the students haven't seen it, which I don't, I don't judge anybody, especially when they're younger, for not having seen a film made at this point well before they were born. And, uh, but I'm always interested to see what they have to say afterwards. And, you know, uh, some things don't necessarily surprise me. Uh, there are a number of people that say they think it's boring, specifically the first 40 minutes where, quote unquote, nothing happens. Um, but then there are a lot of people that are just really, they're just pulled in. And uh, one thing that I think I mentioned uh, to you when I was on the show is uh, I have a friend who I was watching uh, the film with, and it was his first time seeing it. And cause he's not a movie guy, but he had been, he's, he's recently been getting into writing scores for, for films and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is a few years ago. And so we watched alien and it was really fun watching the film with him because there were moments where he would make a little noise and he'd be like, uh, he would do that. And no threat had been presented yet. He was just feeling especially when they get to the planet he's just feeling uneasy like the the tone and to me it's like yeah if they had jumped into the action he wouldn't have had the chance for that level of uncomfortable anticipation uh in in this very strange and uh and awkwardly sexual uh uh, world and so yeah that it's been fun watching people watch it for the first time uh and then I myself, I think I, and I don't remember if I mentioned this, but in 2013, Jen and I went to Switzerland and we were in the uh, town of Gruyere and we just happened to be there like as part of like a chocolate and cheese tour. And uh, I saw that there was an HR Giger museum and I was like, Mm -hmm. well, we're doing this obviously. And it's right across the street from a a Giger bar. Uh, There's another one in Japan, I think. Yeah. And uh, so we went into the Giger Museum. Sadly, you're not allowed to like take any photos, which is uh, unfortunate because there's some really beautiful and horrifying things in that museum. And there comes a moment where, you know, it's, it's, you know, they're separated into rooms. And so you go from one room into another and there it is. Like it's a whole room dedicated to this one thing. And it's the, the full scale alien, seven feet tall behind glass in the middle of the room. And you walk up and you're just like, wow, this is the actual thing. And on one hand, as a movie fan, you're excited. But on the other hand, you're like, I'm frightened. This thing's going to reach through this glass and kill me. I'm going to move to the other room now. Um, But the thing that really struck me is there was a room that was like adults only. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) What's that going to be? (laughs) I know. It's like this, like they've opened up this whole museum but there's still an adults only room. It's like, yeah. how explicit must it be? So obviously I went in there. Uh, the answers vary. Um, everything, <laughs> everything. Everything's so phallic already. What, <laughs> yeah. How much more phallic can you get? Uh, almost, almost uh, completely. Right. Um, it's still, I mean, it's still beautiful in its own way, but you're just like, okay. So uh, it's like, 
the like the head of the alien or like the opening into the uh the derelict spacecraft uh that looks very you know vaginal and all that it's just like oh, okay so that's him being subtle uh once you go into that adults only room you're like oh boy all right well tweet his own yeah, i guess he wasn't indulging work. himself no. <laughs> uh, but yeah and so uh and i i seem to recall when you did alien were you on the fence about whether you wanted to do aliens or not yeah i mean it was it was kind of a well there's i, I love aliens mitch doesn't I mean, he doesn't not like aliens. He doesn't love aliens the way he mm-hmm. loves alien. And it's, um, I'll say this also about the movies by minute format. It's extremely work intensive for a podcast, yeah. especially if you're following uh, what was the star Wars minute standard, which was uh, five episodes a week. So every weekday you come out with a new episode. So you'll remember recording with us. We recorded five episodes in, yeah. all in a row. And sometimes those episodes will be 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes they'll be 45 to an hour, uh, depending on what's happening in the, in the minute. So that, or how much of a windbag your guest is, is, or that too, sometimes, (laughs) but really it's a matter of like, okay, so the, the, the alien first arrives and kills Brett, that's going to be a big episode. Right. Mm. Um, So sometimes it'd be like, you'd be right in the middle of a, a pretty lengthy recording session and you hit a minute. That's that important. So I think that made Mitch sort of check out a little bit. He said, okay, we did Alien. We accomplished it. I had, he edited all the episodes. Oh, wow. Um, he wasn't ready to move on. And I felt kind of pressure to, to go ahead and move forward myself, which was probably kind of a mistake. Um, I, I almost had a nervous break. I'm not kidding. I tried mm-hmm. to do it all by myself. I only had guests. I believe when you came back, you and, I think you and David both came back uh, separately as guest yeah. hosts with me. So you were kind of taking Mitch's place for that week and bringing a guest with you. And, um, but I had to edit it all. I had to then like juggle my life and so on. So I was on the fence about it. Then I dove head first and then kind of regretted it. And that was the last time I did the minute by minute, like strict minute by minute format. Um, despite well, the, I, yeah. I, I have to assume there weren't a lot of people. I'm sure there were people that were very curious about alien three and alien resurrection and all of that. But I can't imagine there are a lot of people that were like, Saying like, let we got to stick with the minute by minute thing because I know that you've covered mm-hmm. certainly Alien Three, but not yes. in in that micro of a way. Well, you know, as we were going along, the other thing about the format is um, it's such an arbitrary format in a way. I don't mean to, no. to disparage it in any way, but Mitch and I are both screenwriters, mm-hmm. and it kind of kind of gnawed at us a little bit to do it this minute by minute. That doesn't have a, any structural meaning. Yeah, and so we started thinking about scene by scene. Uh, mm-hmm. as being one way to go. And we kind of ended up doing Alien 3. We didn't want to go scene by scene with Alien 3, so we really broke it down into a, a three-act, but we made it four-act structure. Yeah. We just split act two into two uh, different episodes. And we thought that's what, that'll be much more pal- palatable for Alien 3, of which we're neither of us are fans. And I, right. uh, there are way more fans of Alien 3 than I ever would have guessed. Um, there are a lot of people that love it, a lot of people that defend the... Um, the director's assembly cut as being this great film. I still don't quite see it. I mean, I could see the potential. I still think it falls apart in a lot of places, but um, 
and looks terrible in a few places. Not meaning the cinematography, but the effects and so on. Yeah, I, that to me is the, I think from a Ripley standpoint, it's amazing. I think it's a, from a character standpoint, solid. Uh, and there are some characters in the film, specifically Charles Dance's character, I think is really interesting and something we hadn't seen before. So like, there's a lot of good in there and visually it's beautiful. And I, and I do pr- certainly prefer the assembly cut. But one thing is that I never find it actually scary um, or stressful. Um, I find it very mournful, which is understandable. And then, yeah, those composite effects, like it takes a lot for, uh, for a dated special effect to take me out of a film. You know, yeah. Jaws is my third favorite movie of all time. And that shark very clearly looks fake. But when it's eating Robert Shaw, I, my pulse is pounding, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Alien 3, like, yeah, it just doesn't, uh, doesn't work for me on that level. But from a drama standpoint, it works really well for me. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, I just, like, for instance, I agree with you about Charles Nance's character. I don't really care for what they did with him. I thought yeah. that we could, let's, let's get more of him. Like, there's so much more that could have happened. I think it would have helped Ripley. I think they kind of handed the movie off to some characters that I didn't care as much about as far yeah. as secondary characters to Ripley that I think she would have been enriched by him continuing in the film for a little longer. I mean, we don't have to litigate <laughs> alien yeah. three right yeah. now, but um, <laughs> we did that already. You come over to alien minute and listen to our alien three episodes. If you want to hear how we feel. About yes, that. Please. Uh, Are all of your episodes uh, available, including all the way back to alien? Yeah, we have. So starting from the first minute of Alien all the way through Aliens, there's a bunch of supplemental episodes that we did mm-hmm. about different things. Um, then we did, so we did this three, three, four act structure uh, treatment on Alien 3 and The Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Thing episodes, I, I'm really proud of the Thing episodes. I'm really glad we decided to go there. We were thinking about continuing on with movies related to Alien Invasion or Aliens in general. We didn't keep that up but um the thing episodes are really great i think uh so those are over there and then we have a patreon where we do other um we do a lot of commentaries like you guys do and um we have another podcast format we call the quadfecta have we ever talked about that? i think we've discussed this before i don't think the, so the four movies in a row thing years ago okay. it was kind of a drinking over beers conversation sure. my buddies would have about coppola oh and how boy Cop- coppola has this like per- you know, for lack of a better word, a perfect string of four movies in the seventies, Godfather one and two conversation apocalypse now. Yeah. And it becomes a challenge of sorts. Well, come up with some other directors who had as good of four movies in a row. Well, Kubrick, we, we go ahead and let Kubrick be a given. Um, some people might not agree with that, of course, but for us, it's like, yeah, Kubrick's got maybe like eight in a row. Yeah. Then start thinking about it and you find out that it's really hard to find the four in a row. There's usually a, a catch. There's one movie that's a catch. It's usually the third movie. And so, yeah, we discussed those. We'll pick a filmmaker and we'll discuss whether they got the quadfecta or not. So we did Peter Weir. We've done um, um, John Landis was one that we did. Sure. Um, so we're going to continue doing that. I think we're prepping to do a Kurosawa one right now. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, it, of course it all depends on like what you consider great. I mean, there are some filmmakers that I love, but I don't think anybody mm-hmm. would ever consider them amazing. But like, you know, I think Jim Jarmusch definitely has a quad vecta in there, okay. uh, maybe even five or six. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then myself, I'm not a huge fan of Hudsucker Proxy, but I know people that adore it. Uh, right. And so if you adore Hudsucker Proxy, then the Coens definitely have have one sure. in there. Uh, maybe they might have actually in the in the latter part of their career. They I think they definitely have one. But uh, but yeah, so well, that's, it's yeah, it's interesting thing. to talk about. Yeah, 
it, what's interesting to talk about is when you start to add the different variables to it. Like, um, I wouldn't say the Hudsucker proxy was fully successful in every way. Even if you right. really like it, you look at it and go, yeah, it was critically, you know, we don't put everything into critical uh, claim, but it was critically on the fence. Yeah. Um, it, it, didn't, it doesn't really hold as much of a place in their filmography as sort of like as a Fargo, for instance. Yeah. What, what you look at with Coppola's career is you got these four movies that are all pretty much universally agreed to be like five-star films. Yeah. You know, there's, it's hard for anyone to argue that those movies aren't just top tier. So you can see this consistent line through. So liking the movie or not, of course, has something to do with it. But then you have to add in, you know, it's just all to make conversation. It's no way to be like, we're the law about what's the four oh, of course movies. Not, yeah. But it makes for an interesting conversation. And, and believe me, like when people hear this, uh, this almost never fails. When people hear this, you guys will start getting people that'll come out with ideas. <laughs> like people's brains start moving immediately when they hear this idea, which is what's fun about the concept. Well, yeah. And it's, it's anytime you take a, a, just a very basic stencil and just put it on any type of film discussion that right. forces you to limit it. Um, to me, that's, that's when the, the, the gears really start going. Um, and it's like, okay, now, uh, cause like somebody unsurprisingly on Patreon, um, somebody asked like, what are the, what's the Mount Rushmore of, uh, of filmmakers and David and I now, of course, what they're essentially asking is who are the big four directors, mm-hmm. but David and I approach chose to approach it the way Mount Rushmore was approached, which was like, okay, so we've got two founding fathers. We have, uh, a slightly more modern but indisputable uh, great man. And then we have a, a, a more recent guy who has not really stood the test of time. But, in the t- but at the time the Mount Rushmore was made, probably, yeah, they, they were very optimistic. Okay. And so, you know, while I'm sure people were thinking like, oh, we'll put on, you know, John Ford and, and Hitchcock and stuff, we wound up with... And then we decided to go even further, which is like looking at the specific character of each person. Uh, And so it's like, okay, so we've got uh, on our, on our, uh, I'm ruining our Patreon, but uh, we've got Eisenstein, Griffith, Sophia Coppola, and Kurosawa. <laughs> Sophia Coppola. That's, yeah. That one's out of left field. That's, I definitely that's didn't the, expect that one. That's the Roosevelt. That's the okay. one where it's like, undoubtedly, she's made some amazing movies. Uh, there is, a, there is, amongst modern conversations, there is a, uh, an emphasis on like, well, we should absolutely inc- include like a female filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but who knows if, if people are going to be talking about her in a certain number of years, not many people aren't talking about her now. So, um, but yeah. And, and David was reluctant to put Griffith on there, but my thought was like, well, he did shape film and I will suggest that Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. And so along those lines, it's just like, yeah, he's a problematic founding father. And that's, that's DW Griffith all the way. Like it's, yeah. it's always fun. You kind of have to be, you have to put yourself in the political mindset of the time Mount Rushmore was built where they weren't really worried about problematic things. Exactly. So Griffith, that has to be, he's the bricklayer, right? Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I I was thinking Griffith, I figured you guys had Griffith. I didn't expect Coppola or Sophia Coppola, but um, (laughs) I don't know how you don't have John Ford. Uh, He made... He made so many other people's movies better just by an ex- by example, you know, that's what, well, and essentially well, and Kurosawa with, both. with Kurosawa, we, ch- we opted to go with somebody that was like John Ford, sure. but not American. Um, 
and who himself a, then went and, and inspired other people. Giant influence on American cinema. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but anyway, okay. So, uh, so you've got Alien Minute and listeners, I, I highly recommend people seek it out. Not, don't just look, don't just listen to me and David's episode. I know obviously that's what you're going to want to do, but <laughs> listen to the whole thing. You got, you got uh, actor Ian McNeese uh, on there, which was great. Yeah, that's old. Mitch's old pal Ian. Ian yeah, McNeese, I, think, I think he's coming on for a James Bond show too. So, oh, that's um, wonderful. Yeah, we're trying to get some people together for for that and 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 make it. You know, it's going to be much more limited than Alien Minute as far as yeah. amount of episodes. So we're trying to make them really count. Um, well, we'll talk. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk off mic about uh, some people I might be able to connect you with. So, okay. Um, cool. okay. Uh, yeah, and speaking of this James Bond thing, what's going on with that? Why are you doing it? Okay, well, Mitch is a super fan, okay. super, super James Bond fan. I love James Bond. I'm much less of a super fan. Okay. I, I am more of the, um, I like the Connery Bonds a lot. I like the Dave, Daniel Craig Bonds a lot. And in between, I can kind of do without. But I dig, I, I really dig that 60s era, the aesthetic, the music, though. Everything mm-hmm. about it, um, Ken Adam, everything about those early Bond films. Um, and I even like the novels. Uh so to me, we're going to jump in. I think we're going to limit it to the Connery, well, and the Lazenby, which might be the best of them. Um, but uh, Still haven't seen it. Oh, my. Yeah, man, you should definitely check it out. Um, I know Lazenby was a hard thing for me to get over at first, but once you accept him, you'll realize yes. it's, the, it's the superior Bond film. But, um, yeah, so really it's Mitch has so much to say. And I don't mind being – you know, he and I have always had a student teacher relationship since the beginning. It'll probably always be that way. I don't mind coming along for the ride and sort of learning along with him mm-hmm. or having him sort of teach me on air. So I can kind of play the uh, audience surrogate uh, as he's more of an expert and I'm more of the um, fan. So, yeah. And, and you know, the, obviously the, we're doing it seven minutes at a time instead of one minute at a time. The yeah. number is clearly uh, – you know, 007 asked yeah. for a seven minute treatment. So it's called 007 by seven will be the name of the show. And uh, yeah, so seven minutes of time, that's a nice, neat 15, 16 episodes per movie, maybe Thunderball's more like 18 or something, but um, that's it. I mean, really it comes down to, we just love podcasting together. Mitch knows his stuff. He loves bond. And I think people love bond films. They love to hear. There's a lot of very successful bond field films out there. People love to hear all these details and stories and I think our particular approach uh, as screenwriters, I, I hope that that adds a little extra from a different sort of outlook from what people get a lot from podcasts. People do like Bond movies so much so that I, I view it almost as, as, as quaint that you think you're going to stop with Lazenby. People are going <laughs> oh, no, to demand that you continue. You know that. I think we're going to maybe stop at Diamonds Forever. I don't like Diamonds Forever very much, though, so that might be a hard sell with this. You Only Live Twice is actually my – that's my childhood favorite one, so we're okay. definitely doing that one. But, yeah, you'll see. We'll see. I could definitely – I guess I could do Live and Let Die, but, boy, Roger Moore gets a little rough after that for me. Yeah, um, but that's okay. I, in a way, like – do you feel like, cause I'm, I'm not a huge Bond fan. I uh, fan, I jump around. There are some I still haven't seen, which I'm not losing sleep over. No. Um, yeah. you know, and to me it's, it's almost like, uh, well, this, I was literally about to make a metaphor that I have no knowledge of in order to talk about something I have less knowledge of. Um, or I was going to say, I have to assume it's like, 
when you are a fan of a specific uh, team, whether it be baseball or football or whatever, hey, they're going to have their bad seasons. Yeah, oh yeah. But you weather those hoping that the next one will be better. And that's certainly the case with the Bond series. You know, like, hey, we, we pushed through Roger Moore and got some more serious ones with Timothy Dalton. And then we got a really good uh, uh, kickoff with uh, Goldeneye. And then those got a little bit ser- uh, silly. And then we got the modern Bond. And so I do think that, uh, that for people that are just fans of the concept of James Bond, um, I think that's what keeps them coming back is this idea. It's like, yeah, that one wasn't so great, but the next one could be, could be Goldfinger. Who's to say? Yeah. And, and the, and the tone can change so drastically from one bond to the next, you know, Uh, like it can be deadly serious or goofy and jokey. And, but the, the stories themselves really aren't that different. Right. Yeah. That's the, you get that shift from you only live twice to honor majesty secret service it's funny because mm-hmm. you, you only live twice is like the standard setter for the austin powers kind of idea of yeah of bond now it's not nearly as campy as that or like the flint films or any of the other things that came after or, or kind of ripped off james bond but um then on her majesty secret service gets pretty pretty damn serious man like it's pretty hardcore at times it's really good yeah and so um oh sorry uh I've, I've heard that that one, regardless of Lazenby, from a filmmaking standpoint, oh. is really good. Sorry, I didn't mean to suggest that I've seen it. I know I have. No, the, well, the, the camp kind of goes out the window. Of course, there's a little bit, but the camp kind of goes out the window and they get back to serious storytelling with that one. So it's a nice shift. Then they go right back to Diamonds Are Forever and go straight <laughs> camp again. So yeah. you're right. The shifts are crazy. Um, that's part of the fun. But, you know, the other thing I'll say, too, is um, we're definitely – now, Mitch and I are middle-aged white guys talking about James Bond. I understand yeah. that on the on paper that sounds pretty boring. We're definitely bringing on. We want a big female perspective on on Bond. I think that's sometimes lacking. Um, I think Myra and Gorley do pretty good on James Bonding. They after a while they figured out. Oh, we should bring on some women to talk about James Bond. Yeah. And it's not going to always be positive. You know, like I I, I don't think that this discussion is going to be a fanboy discussion by any means. It's going to be. We're going to talk about the problems and the the poor outlook on certain things that those Bond movies had and, and you know, not be corrective or anything necessarily. Let's just get the point of view of people that um, that are, you know, negatively affected by this sort of, of mentality, uh, gaze, male, the male gaze that was so pervasive in those films, you know. So we want to we want to take it apart a little bit. We want to enjoy it. We want to celebrate it. We want to do all those things. But it, um, I don't know if I've heard enough um, kind of breaking down Bond and, and, you know, you heard some, but breaking it down and talking about what maybe wasn't very thoughtful about it uh, in those early days. And maybe Ian Fleming's was a seriously problematic dude. So his point of view is a little messed up. Well, and I, and I do think that um, I think the word that you use thoughtful, I think is correct because one of the reasons that I like the, you know, it, it takes a lot for me to like watch an older movie and just be like frustrated by it. Like I can take most things in stride, even stuff that makes me like really cringe uh, to use that overused word um, and just be like, Hey, it was a different time. But then I realized that, you know, the, the stuff that makes me cringe, like how much more would it, if I were a different ethnicity or different gender, whatever it is. Um, but the thing that gets me, one of the reasons that I have a hard time watching, one of the reasons I haven't seen a lot of the Bond movies is because I just find them 
they're just not the type of action movie that I respond to. I tend to respond to action movies that are a little bit more thoughtful and have a little bit more of an eye towards introspection, which is why I like these new ones. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they're doing really great things with the bond character and just making him question his loyalties, question his, his, uh, methods and all of that. Um, you know, I remember when uh, the spy who came, well, I don't remember this. It was many years before I was born, but when the spy who came in from the cold came out, a lot of people, it was 65. So obviously there've only been a few years of James Bond, but those were very popular. And then spy who came in from the cold was released. Uh, and it was a novel beforehand, but everyone said like, Oh, this is the anti James Bond because this is about the harsh emotional realities of living this kind of life. It's not nearly as glamorous as, as one might think. So, um, and I know that some people really prefer the, the sort of happy go lucky kind of bond. I remember there's that wonderful uh, moment <laughs> on Jerry Seinfeld's uh, show where he was talking about the new bond. He's like, he goes, you have a license to kill. You have the best car in the world. You're sleeping with any woman. How about a smile? Um, (laughs) So, but, but I, so I get that perspective, but it's just not necessarily my perspective, but I recognize that it is for a lot of, if I'm being honest, a lot of men out there. Uh, And, uh, but yeah, so I think, I think looking at things from a different perspective without being dismissive of what is there, I think is, is a good attitude. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're going for. We want to be open to any avenues of conversation we can have about it while still celebrating and enjoying it. Because, man, the artistry of them, I think it's pretty undeniable, the artistry of those films. So uh, we can definitely on an aesthetic standpoint, um, musically, all the, you know, we can we can celebrate. I think we can all agree that we can celebrate those. And then let's talk about the other stuff. Let's dig deep into the other stuff. Yeah, that music is wonderful. Like, it's just like, it's hard not to feel super cool if you're listening to it as you're driving or something like that. Um, And it's also like undeniably of the moment, like those blaring horns and all of that. Uh, It's so, so much fun. But uh, anyway, uh, so when is uh, 007 by 7 is what it's called? That's what it's called. Yep. Okay. Uh, when is that going to be available and, and where can people find it when, the, when it is? Well, we're, so we're shifting, we're having to shift down a little bit because of the quarantine. Sure. So we're exactly like you. We like to, we like to record in studio if possible, at least between us as hosts. And if we have to Skype in somebody or whatever, um, but now we can't even be together as hosts. So we're now trying to figure out the zoom thing. We're going to do a couple of tests, episodes of different things. And, I, and I'm wanting to do a lot of research on this one too. So um, I'm going to read a couple of books and then I'm thinking early summer, we're going to have double okay. seven by seven. We're going to let the spring go through. We're going to prep. We're going to record some episodes and get them in the can. And then uh, early summer, I'd say look for us in June, but we'll also okay. announce if you subscribe to our alien minute feed, we'll probably do the first episode on that feed as well, just to make sure everybody's aware when it comes out. So um, yeah, look for us and look for us then. Yeah. And listeners, uh, I do really recommend Alien Minute. Uh, I love the Alien series, even, you know, I, granted, there aren't nearly as many entries in the Alien series as there, as there are the Bond series. But uh, even when they're not very good, or for example, with Alien Covenant, my least favorite movie of the year, um, <laughs> they're still interesting. There's always something to look at or something to contemplate, even in the worst of them. And I am not counting the Alien versus Predators movies as yeah. canon. Uh, why would I? I'm not an I idiot. Um, (laughs) so, uh, so yeah, listeners check those out. A lot of really fun conversations are had, uh, in, in the alien minute podcast, but, uh, but yeah, uh, John, thank you so much for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll be on the lookout for, for the next podcast.
All right. Well, thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. All right.